How's it going, gentlemen? This is Scott McKay, and you're about to listen to episode number 29 of the Chick Whisperer program, which features none other than my new friend, Alan Roger Curry, a.k.a. Mode One, who I know a lot of you guys are a big fan of. And you're about to get some good stuff on how to reclaim your masculinity. And of course, the topic is what if be yourself was good advice. But let me tell you something. This particular episode took a few weeks to get out the door and there's been a major update since it was recorded. At the end of this, you're going to hear me talk about the new program called the Master Plan. Now, what you want to do is you want to go to www.deservewhatyouwant.com front slash master plan because since this podcast was recorded, I actually filmed an interview with a woman and you have got to see this video because it's going to change your life. Literally, when I first launched this video to my power sessions guys and to my mailing list, I got emails from women and Twitter messages from women literally standing up and cheering for producing this video for you. That's how amazingly powerful it is. So powerful, in fact, that I've got guys who are furious at me for releasing this video. Why? Well, simply put, (laughs) it takes away every limiting belief you can possibly hold on to about approach anxiety. So here it is, guys. Do you want to get over approach anxiety? Do you want to start talking to beautiful, attractive, sweet women like the woman I interview in this video? Or is the real truth that... You're comfortable with your limiting belief. Is it something you secretly want to hold on to? Well, I'll tell you something. If you're ready to get off your butt and start meeting some great women, go to www.deservewhatyouwant.com front slash master plan and watch that video right now. Even before you listen to this podcast, it's that powerful. And hey, read about the master plan too, because I've been putting my heart and soul into that for the past two years, literally. And it's all about you becoming the very best man you can possibly be so you can attract the greatest women on earth. And who doesn't want that? And now, enjoy episode number 29 of the Chick Whisper Show. Here we go. You're listening to the world-famous Chick Whisperer podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Here we are, episode number 29 of the world-famous Chick Whisperer Show. This is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications, and let me tell you something. Today we're going to talk about a topic that, to me, really sounds like one of the worst bits of dating advice I've ever heard in my entire life, unless, unless it's working for you, and that's just be yourself. And with me today is a new friend of mine. I just got to be on his radio show last week, so I'm really excited to return that favor and get him here on the Chick Whisper. He is from Gary, Indiana, home of the Jackson 5, which I guess would include Michael Jackson. And uh, his name is Alan Roger Curry, also known as Mode One. <laughs> Alan, man, welcome to the Chick Whisper show. Uh, glad to be here, Scott. You know what? Usually, when we get on these shows, these Chick Whisper episodes, mm-hmm. we handle a voicemail from uh, a listener. Okay. I tell you what, the voicemail is from Murphy today because Murphy showed up with his law. That's <laughs> my hard drive where on all of the existing voicemails sat. And then check this out. 
Check this out, Alan. The company that handles the uh, techie stuff, taking my voicemails, converting them to MP3, sending them to my computer, mm -hmm. decided to go tits up. <laughs> <laughs> Putting me scrambling to get another service in its place, right? Now, what really sucked about this was I didn't know it was happening. If you have sent me a voicemail recently and I have not acknowledged it, I have not sent you an email in return, would you please do me the courtesy of assuming that that voicemail never got to me and go ahead and leave it again because I want to make sure I respect everybody who is kind enough to voicemail this show. And I will give you that number right now because as of today, we are absolutely back online. I tested this big dog in every way, shape, and form today. So I know that the voicemail stuff is back online. The uh, voicemail line is as follows. It's area code 210-362-4400. Once again, that is plus one if you're outside the United States and Canada. 210-362-4400. Send us a voicemail so that the next time we get on the show here, we are not voicemailless anymore. That is not a good state to be in. But I'll tell you what. That leaves us plenty of time to talk about what we've got at hand today, and that is this whole thing of being yourself. What if being yourself was good advice? What if you could say, hey, you know what? Today I'm going to go out. I am going to be myself. I'm not going to need anything that's going to be considered, oh, I don't know, training wheels by the seduction community. I'm not going to need anything that's kind of a crutch that I need to lean on. But you know what? There's a little bit of hesitation from some of you guys, even listening to this show, to let all that stuff go. Because right now, as we speak, no matter how much you try, being yourself is not getting you the results with women you really want. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mode one, my man. Why do you think so many people, especially, uh, I don't know, I would say these would-be dating advisors, especially women, you know, just be yourself, Alan, and the women will love you. Well, to be truthful, I have mixed feelings on it because if you were to read my book, there are sections where I actually say be yourself. but. Mine has different connotations, and I'll explain. Mm -hmm. See, most people at their current state right now, particularly men, are not really their true selves. The way I always describe it and, and use an analogy is let's start with your core self, which would really be your true self, but then over the years you add what I call various layers of invalid beliefs, ineffective attitudes, all this social programming, to the point where you get to a point where you're so far removed from your real self that the person you are right now, you might think that's yourself, but that's really not. That is your person that's dictated by fear of criticisms, fear of rejection, fear of what other people think, and, again, just all these invalid beliefs. And what I essentially say in my book, Mo One, is that you need to start the process of removing all those layers so that you can get to your true, authentic self. Yeah, you know what? I couldn't agree more with you. This is fascinating me because you're talking a lot about things that, uh, I don't know, I guess society bombards us with those layers that cause you to be something that you're not. And, you know, what I hear you saying is some of this is societal. Like, hey, you know what? You need to uh, act like you've got a lot of money even if you don't because, mm -hmm. hey, chicks love money, right? 
Uh, you need to act like you've got this certain style, even if that style isn't you. I hear a lot of guys all the time. You know, they say, "Hey, look, you know what? The guy who's the life of the party, the guy who's extroverted, that's the guy who's going to succeed with women. That's the guy who's going to succeed in life." And really, a lot of times, it isn't the guy who's making every woman laugh in a bar or a club. The guy who ends up with the highest quality woman. It's the guy who's got that stability, that rock of Gibraltar kind of uh, style to him. And, you know, obviously also, and here's here's another point for you. I want you to comment on this. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with the state of masculinity in the society. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you know, it's almost more appropriate to say the state of unmasculinity <laughs> in, in society because uh, so many men in, in modern-day society have been feminized. Mm. Either by, I don't know, raised by single mothers, and now I'm going to get a bunch of letters from single mothers. You know, we get emails where the single mothers say the same thing. Emily gets these emails. You know what? If single women want to write you and complain that you're saying that men need a father in their life, you can send them all to me. <laughs> and Emily, <laughs> continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, that's a loose generalization, but, I mean, you have so many men that were raised in households by nothing but female influence. And, you know, it's one thing if they had, say, a, I don't know, a coach, basketball, baseball, football coach, or an uncle or somebody who did give them, the, you know, the rights of manhood. But I, I see in so many cases that um, men are being taught to appease women in every way, shape, or fashion. And... Most of entertainment industry and media is dominated by the desire to please women. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the movies are geared towards attracting the female customer. Uh, all corporations direct their marketing towards women. Media is all about basically nobody wants in this society wants to piss women off. <laughs> and. That's what's led in many ways to men being so wimpy and spineless because they're kind of bombarded with these messages, both overt and subtle and subliminal, that you better not piss a woman off. And I'm not at all implying that you should ever go anywhere to piss a woman off just to piss her off. I'm not saying that either. But I'm saying that, you know, if you're just operating as your natural self and something about you just happens, to piss women off, then so be it. But you can't go around life walking on eggshells for fear that, oh, man, if I say this in the wrong way, women are going to get pissed off. If I do this in the wrong way, women are going to get pissed off. I mean, and yeah, so you got a whole bunch of wimpy men. Well, let me tell you something. I don't care whether you're a man or a woman. There's no way anybody on earth is going to make everybody happy. Exactly. You try to please everybody, you're going to please nobody. Mm-hmm. For all you guys who aren't on Twitter yet, you know, I'm starting to get a lot of people I talk to on Twitter, and I can say the most innocuous thing about dating advice, and I will have two women back-to-back. One of them will clobber me over the head with her purse, virtually, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And the other one will say, man, that's the most profound thing, and I wish you'd tell every guy on earth that so they can start believing it right now. And this is back-to-back, and they're both women. So, you know, you're up here talking about, wow, we're trying not to piss off women. Guys, check it out. You're going to piss off women just by virtue of your existence if they're the wrong woman. 
Now, the right woman, a high-quality woman, is going to view you as a human being, not as a symbol of everything that's ever wronged her in life. And she's going to be interested in getting to know who you are as a person. Recently, I wrote a newsletter about why women want a man who listens. It isn't just so they can run their mouth. It's so that you can give them a sense of connecting with them. Women love that connection. If a woman doesn't want to give you that opportunity to connect with her because you'd rather feel like you're a bad guy, she's just going to say, oh, no men listen to me. They're all going to do their own thing, and that's part of what we're talking about here. And no doubt, when a woman comes along who is happy to be a woman, she believes, as I do, and as I'm sure you do, Alan, from what I've read of you, that masculinity and femininity do not carry a value judgment on them. They're both equal. They both have incredible amount of power in this universe. A woman comes along who's just proud to be a woman and she understands the power of her femininity. She's going to appreciate masculinity. The question for me, and I'll let you answer this one, Alan, is, is your masculinity going to show up? What do you got for that woman who's going to show up and say, hey, you know what? I'm looking for a real man. Are you up to the challenge? What do you say to that guy, Alan? Most men are not. They're not up for the challenge. And, again, it comes from this overwhelming concern with how they're perceived by others and the fear of, of stepping on people's toes. And the realistic fact of the matter is a man has to be decisive. You know, he has to know what he wants, and he operates on whatever his objective, his desires are. And he inevitably, he's going to make some wrong decisions, mm -hmm. you know. But the, the fact of the matter, you still got to make decisions. And But, you know, when you begin to become indecisive, that leads to wishy-washiness, and wishy-washiness leads to spinelessness, spinelessness, no... No balls, and you just you're just not a man anymore. You know, yeah, you're, you're a woman walking around with a penis, basically. <laughs> Didn't former GE CEO Jack Welch say any decision is better than no decision? A bad decision when you're a leader is better than no decision. Yes, and, I would agree and, with that, and I totally agree with that. You know, a man needs to say, "Hey, honey, we're going to see this movie," and then, "Hey, if you go see the movie and it sucks," you say, "Hey, I didn't know." But at least you made the decision to see whatever movie that was. Right. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, men are so different nowadays, you know, again, cause, and, and honestly, I don't like to blame things on things out of our control because I think we got to control those factors that are within our direct control. But picking on media and entertainment, again, for a second, you see so many TV shows with men that are, like, handpicked and wimpy, man. It just... Sometimes I can't even watch TV, man, because even something as simple as a one-minute TV commercial, man, they have men now as nincompoops, and 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 the wives be just dominating them and telling them what to do, and they, you know, I mean. So anyway, yeah, you got all these images getting men, but the men, the sad thing on their part, they're accepting these images, they're accepting these wrong messages, and uh, and it's hurting them. We've normalized it. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. It goes all the way back to the honeymooners in the 50s or in the 40s, late 40s, 1948. First episode of the honeymooners. Okay. You have big old Jackie Gleason, right? And he's henpecked. 
his wife tells him what to do and he always gets it wrong and you know his wife's always right and that's where it all started but the thing is that was supposed to be ironic humor <laughs> that's funny you got big old Jackie Gleason he can't get it right he's supposed to be the man of the house he's running around stomping around like yeah you know when i get this right and when we do this you know you and me baby we're going to you know and then as if it weren't enough with the honeymooners, you had variations of the honeymooners like the Flintstones, right? Come after that. The next thing you know, what was originally supposed to be humor is absolutely a meme throughout all of comedy television. It's still supposed to be comedy, but it's so normal, quote unquote, to us that we just think, hey, you know what? This is what I see on TV. This is the way life's supposed to be. And then again, you get in the movies. And, you know, either a man is Charles Bronson or Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is something we don't see as attainable, or you're going to these chick flicks. Now, some of these guys in chick flicks, they got it going on. But, see, these guys don't ever watch it. That's where women go to see a real man nowadays. Unfortunately, they go watch The Notebook or they go watch a chick flick where a guy knows how to approach a woman, knows how to be suave knows how to uh, sweep her off her feet without uh, suffering from some approach anxiety or saying the wrong thing. But those aren't the movies we go to see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we watch the comedy movies and we see people just absolutely not doing well with women. And again, it's supposed to be comic. And you mentioned something about the TV commercials. Watching the Super Bowl this year, TV commercials in the Super Bowl portrayed men as weak. And, you know, if you go back and look on YouTube and just notice some of them, you're going to see a lot of weak guys in those commercials. And someone's going to say, well, you know what, Scott, you know what, Alan, they're trying to reach all the women because the women are watching the Super Bowl and they're only watching the commercials and women do almost all the buying. But, you know, if it wasn't normative, if we weren't being told, hey, you know what, guys, accept it. This is the way you're going to be from now on, then they wouldn't be putting it in our football games. There's, you know, we're the guys driving football. Don't kid yourself. Women are not driving football. And when you start seeing light beer commercials and when you start seeing home freaking depot commercials, for those of you outside the United States, basically a big hardware store. (laughs) When you start seeing things like that on TV where men are being shown as feminine or kissing up to women, that's where we've got a real problem. This is what guys are being told is, quote-unquote, themselves. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, we're not born to be that guy, just like you said so eloquently at the front end. Here we got societal pressures. Here we got uh, all these things we're we're told by the media. Here's all these things we're told by the women's movement. And we talk about those things on this show all the time. Why do we harp on that so much, guys? Because this is stuff that you're going to have to unwire in order to get to – the layer that Alan's talking about. Mm-hmm. Alan, how does a guy start doing that? How does he start unwiring this and peeling that onion back until he gets to what the essence of manhood is? What if he could be that guy and being himself would work? Who's the guy who shows up and is himself and it's working? You can take any of those iterations of the same question and answer it. I really don't care. Well, I, I think um, I think it starts with self-analysis. Mm-hmm. you got to start asking yourself some real straightforward and hard questions. Why am I exhibiting these various forms of behavior that I'm exhibiting? Is it because I have a genuine interest in exhibiting this behavior or is this behavior 
am I exhibiting this behavior because I was taught over the years by a parent or another elder or, you know, or society or whatever. And I think when you start asking yourself a lot of these questions, because that's what I do, anybody who's read my book, Mo One, will see pretty much at the end of every chapter, I usually ask a number of questions that provoke self-analysis. Like, I don't know, if you if you go up to a woman and you just immediately start complimenting her and just flattering her like crazy, why are you doing that? <laughs> do you really want to do that? Or do you think you're going to earn some brownie points by doing that? You know, and, uh, and just a number of other different questions. And I think when men are really honest with themselves, they will find, that the answers to the vast majority of the questions are, man, I don't really want to do that. I've been doing this for five years, 10 years, 15 years, because I was always told that was the right thing to do or it would be to my advantage to do that. But really, I I don't really have a genuine interest in doing this or doing that or saying this or saying that. So, yeah, I I think self-analysis is the first step towards peeling away those layers of all that social programming and societal conditioning. Man, you know what strikes me about what you just said? The whole aura of complacency around it. We've been, you know, we've been lulled to sleep. Mm-hmm. We've accepted what people have told us, even though in our heart and our soul, we may not believe that's what our birthright is as a man. That's not why we were created. And, you know, we can walk into the Best Buy and some kid comes up to us and goes, hey, sir, how can I help you, sir? That kid wouldn't be calling us sir if he wasn't on the clock. (laughs) So when you go and you walk to a woman, you go, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. Can I hold this door for you? What's she doing? She's going, you're trying to make something off me. Mm -hmm. You got an agenda. You're just like the cheesy sales guy. So why do we do that when we know it's not going to work? Because we don't know any other way. We have to walk on eggshells around women. Otherwise, they could throw us in jail. They could call the sexual harassment police on us just by saying they look nice today. Oh, you brought up the wrong word with Alan Roger Curry. Sexual (laughs) harassment. Ooh, that's that's a red button topic with me. I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, that complacency that you're saying, hey, you know what, this is just the way it's always been, and even though I don't, it doesn't feel right to me, I guess it's the way it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. I know some of you guys out there are on Facebook. Alan, you're on Facebook, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're about my age, too. You just hit the big 4-0? Um, a little bit older, but yeah, generally the same well, age. I just hit the big 4-0 a couple years ago, so yeah. You start seeing everybody you went to school with on Facebook. And I don't know what it is, but, man, lately, just the last few weeks, it's like the number of people I know on Facebook from back in the day has doubled. It's just huge, right? Oh, yeah. Same here. Same here. And, you know, you look at some of the women you used to know, and the first thing that crosses your mind is, man, I am glad we broke up. (laughs) You going to shot me down for telling the truth? Oh, man. Ain't that the truth. Some of these guys you went to school with, they look like they've been ridden hard and put away wet, just like the women. And meanwhile, other people, they look great. They've stayed fit, et cetera, et cetera. So physically, it can be all over the map. But something incredibly shocking has occurred to me as I've literally reconnected with literally hundreds of people I've known in the past. None of them have changed. None of them have changed. 
they're all the same people. They still have the same exact personality. They're pretty much where you guessed they would be based on high school or college or back in my mid-20s when I knew them. I know of zero exceptions to that, except, dare I say, myself. (laughs) And, dare I say, my wife, Emily. It's crazy talk, but it's true. People are exactly where you would expect them to be 20 years later. Because everybody is too busy being themselves to do anything about it when it's not working for them. Why do you think that is, Alan? Oh, because people easily fall into what I call the status quo trap. Yeah. And uh, most people are scared to, you know, ruffle any feathers, rock any boats. So they just fall into the status quo trap of living their life, trying to put on airs with people, impress people. Oh, I got to drive the right car so my neighbors would be impressed and I got to have the right job. See, that's what the movie, um, did you see a movie called American Beauty? I did, yeah. American Beauty was one of the best movies that showed that, you know, beyond the facade of happiness, a lot of suburbia is really unhappy. (laughs) Kind of twisted, too, from that movie. Because they, they spent their whole life trying to live up to other people's expectations. And it isn't bringing them happiness. It's what they fell into. You're sitting here saying people just fall into this trap of complacency. They fall into this trap of the status quo. I really think that once you get out of college and you get a job, so many people wake up and do what they did yesterday, and they'll do the same thing tomorrow. No new hobbies. I mean, once the kids come, you know, once you get weighed down with family, then you can blame it on something else. Oh, you know what? I got kids. They can go play soccer, and they can go do this, and I'll just live vicariously through them. Which, you know, obviously we should be proud of our children when we have them. But even people who don't have any kids, who don't have any relationships, who aren't really going out and making something happen with women. Guys are just going home and eating pizza every night, waking up the next morning, going to work. They may be buying pickup artist training. They may be buying your book or my book. And they read it and they say, hey, you know what? I'm doing something about it. I'm doing something to change who I am. I'm doing something to get done in my life what I want to get done. But ultimately, they're appeasing themselves. They're not doing anything. And you hit on something that I want to I really want to drop a hammer on. You said the word scared. People are scared to go against middle-class culture here in North America. That fear paralyzing men is something we got to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? I'm a man. I was not born to be afraid. Courage is a cornerstone of masculinity. And mind you, it's a cornerstone of masculinity as women see it. I'm not talking about this machismo. Hey, y'all watch this stuff. I'm not talking about driving fast and squealing wheels and making women roll their eyes. I'm talking about what women value as masculine, whether they like it or not, (laughs) whether they acknowledge it or not. The bottom line is, if you are a courageous man, yeah, you're going to be able to make those decisions. Yes, you're going to be able to make judgment calls. You're not going to be afraid of making the bad decision when you know there's a decision to make, like we talked about earlier. And you're also not going to be afraid of the consequences of somebody moving your damn cheese. Okay? (laughs) You read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? No, that's a business book from about five to eight years ago. Some guys listening will have heard of that. Basically, the premise is if someone changes your life, 
you get fired from work or your wife serves you with divorce papers. Sometimes that's the only thing that's going to get someone out of their status quo, even if their status quo is boring them to tears and leading them nowhere in life. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom. Someone's got to move your cheese in order for you to become a better person. It's kind of a parable book. It's kind of silly, but it has a very strong message. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's like um, the reference to another movie. I don't know if you ever saw Joe and the Volcano. With yes, sure <laughs> Yeah, the brain cloud. Man, that that movie hits that that theme home in a big way. Um, right. They kind of you know over exaggerate, of course, but you know to get a movie, everybody's just walking around in this really complacent state. <laughs> you know, just doing what they've always done for the last few years, and you know it takes a jolt on on for Tom Hanks' character to. To break out of that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, so many people in life, man, they, they, for lack of a better way of saying it, they're almost already dead. Sleepwalking. You know, I'm here in Texas, so the Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying, comes to mind, too. Does your life have to be threatened? Do you have to be told you have two months to live to go out and live the life you want to live? What if we really did live every day as if we said, hey, you know what, life is short. I don't have forever. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And you know what? Again, I know this is something we hear every day. I know every motivational speaker we've ever had dragged into our corporate uh, conventions at work has said the same thing. But guys, what we're talking about here is you being successful with women. And if what you're doing right now is completely bound tight in complacency and you are afraid to go self-actualize, wait for it. You're not going to be attracting high-quality women because high-quality women want out of that complacency. High-quality women want out of fear. There are a lot of scared women out there. As soon as you creep out a woman you're talking to online, guys, she's out of there. Why? Because she's scared of you. You, as a man, it'll take a lot for you to fear for your personal security on a first date. Women live with this. And let me tell you something. When you show up as a man and you're scared, you're not going to be giving her any sense of security. And without that, you're getting nowhere. And when you don't come with a plan that she can be your cheerleader about, and I'm not saying here that women have no ambition, they have no plans, they're all Pollyannas, but I'll tell you something. If she can't respect your plan and she can't respect your ambition as at least a suitable complement to hers that's going to help build her up from where she is right now. In other words, if you can't bring some excitement to her life, again, you have no chance. You're washed up. So guys, that, in my mind, is a major, major differentiation point. That fear, two points there, the fear and the complacency. Your complacency, not having that ampar as I call it, ambition, motivation, and passion that brings accomplishment and that's replicable. In other words, you can go through several accomplishments of life goals that you're motivated and passionate about in life. If you don't have that going on, you're not going to spark that kind of interest from a woman. Yeah, she may think you're kind of funny. She may admire your confidence. But I tell you what, if you expect more than the second date, you're going to have to show up with something bigger than that. <laughs> and that's going to mean you not being afraid, you not being a mama's boy. Guys, if you're a mama's boy, you just you might as well just put your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye. 
you got to call your mommy for advice. Some of you guys out there are getting mad at me, even as I'm saying it. We'll keep on going because I want to make you mad enough that it changes. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's one of the jokes that, that I would refer to is that sometimes, if nothing else, it's just something that really gets a guy angry or really frustrated that makes him say, I'm not going to take this, you know, Scott McKay calling me a mama's boy. You know, shoot, forget him. Shoot, I'm going to go out there and show him. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that to show him. You know, hey, sometimes God needs to be pissed off in order to take action. Hey, here's the way I look at it, man. You guys out there, some of you are not going to agree with me. And you know what? That's good because if everybody agreed with me, there'd be nobody left to agree with you, right? <laughs> it's just about as simple as it gets. But I want you to at least think about it because I'm not sitting here talking to a microphone. Alan's not sitting here talking to a microphone because we like to listen to ourselves talk, although I have been accused of that. <laughs> we're here because we care about you guys. We know what we're talking about has some merit. We want to see you out there with great women. We don't want you to get to be 50, 60, 80 years old and not have any women in your life, to not have legacy, to not have a future built with a great woman. We want to see you succeed. And frankly, it's not going to happen with a few pickup lines. Look, you have to have a way to talk to a woman, okay? But the best way I've ever done is, hey, you know what? I saw you from across the room and I had to come over and meet you. If she's someone I see when I work, someone I see at school, just hold a normal conversation with her and treat her like a human being. Yeah, the problem with pickup lines is that we're all unique and individual in our own ways. And we have a lot of original thoughts, original ideas. And what happens with pickup lines is that you have one guy, say Scott McKay, who comes up with something original that provokes a, a very positive, enthusiastic response out of Emily. And somebody within the earshot says, hey, I'm going to duplicate just what that guy said and, you know, see if it works on me. And the worst thing that can happen is actually for him to get a good response. Because then he says, well, shoot, I don't need to be original anymore. I can just go around listening to other guys, what they say, and just duplicate it. To the point, next thing you know, there's a thousand guys saying to a woman what you said to Emily. For you, it came from a place of, of, of sincerity and genuineness. Whereas with them, it's just words. It's like a script. I'll give you a hint. I did not walk up to Emily and say, who lies more? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. I absolutely hear what you're saying. I mean, if you have a few things that are your personality and you can tailor make every conversation you have with that unique individual woman you're meeting, so be it. Yeah, you've got to go and you've got to talk to women. But if you're saying to yourself, okay, I've got all these techniques to help me approach women. I've got all these techniques to help me talk to women. Then I've got, oh gosh, what am I going to do now when it's time to get her number? All right, well, I've learned something then. Okay, oh, now what do I do when I call her? And then you finally learn some phone game or something. Then what do I do to ask her on the date? Now what do I do if she flakes? What do I do if she's playing with her hair at dinner and she seems like she wants me to kiss her? Should I kiss her? There's always going to be the next step. And guys, let me tell you something. 
as long as you're wondering what the next step is, as long as you have to have somebody come paint another number on your picture for you, you're not being yourself. You're not feeling that freedom to be yourself. You're feeling like if you were ever exposed as yourself, it wouldn't work. And you know what? I like what you said, Alan, because you said, you know what? Sometimes we got to look in the mirror and we got to face up. If it isn't working, it's time to start looking at the core of what we're talking about here and thinking about that next step. What am I going to do to go reclaim my birthright as a masculine man that I, I was born with? You know, my little son is 15 months old, mode one. He wants to play basketball. He wants to watch the Spurs on TV. You know, we have BMX bikes around this house. He wants to get on one of those bikes and ride like he can't stand it. And you know what? He started exhibiting this stuff like at three months old. I've been blessed with a little daughter too. And let me tell you something, guys. You may think you want a son, but if a daughter is born, she's awesome too. I mean, I, I'm sitting here saying, okay, what's better to have a son or a daughter? And they're both incredible, incredible gifts to you for completely different reasons. That's because the little girl acts like a girl from a young age. She'll do things to acknowledge your masculinity in just amazing ways. Little girls love their daddies. And I've had this incredible gift, especially considering what we're talking about here today and what I do for a living and what you do for a living, Alan. To be able to see what little girls and little boys are literally from birth, and they're very different. Right now, my little boy, Junior, knows how to be a boy. Yeah, you know, he still cries and screams and cusses. He's not mature yet, but he knows how to act like a boy. I really, really don't want him to ever lose that. I'm going to champion him not losing that. But I can already see how if I was not in his life and he did not have another masculine figure in his life to help make sure that didn't happen, he could lose it. He could be socialized differently. And that would be a shame because both the little girl and the little boy, both Danielle and Junior, were flirting with motos, members of the opposite sex, when they were four months old. You could take them to a McDonald's or something and they would make eyes at, you know, members of the opposite sex. This is natural, natural stuff. My son recognizes me as his role model. I don't know how he did that. He can't speak English when he's five, six months old. He just knew, look, mommy's different. Mom's cool, but dad, dad's the one I should look up to. My daughter appreciated me and respected me, but she's always identified with her mom as her role model. She wants to do what her mom does. She wants to like what her mom likes. And that's okay because she's a girl. We can't be losing that. And guys, let me tell you something. If you're worried about not being yourself, look in the mirror and go, I was born to be a man. I was born to be masculine. And say to yourself, this isn't about me being fake. This isn't about me being someone other than I was born to be. This is about me going back and getting my real self, pulling it out of the trash can, dusting it off, and putting it back on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's never about... Uh being fake, putting on a facade. And uh, men are just naturally goal-oriented, objective-minded people. And we need to set goals for ourselves, set objectives for ourselves, and go after them in whatever manner we see fit. And if somebody, you know, criticizes it or, you know, second-guesses it, you know, that's their problem. But as men, you cannot allow yourself, your behavior, to be dictated by other people's expectations 
and you constantly trying to appease people, impress people, overly accommodate people, that that has to be weeded out from your core behavior. Couldn't agree more. And you know, guys, you're not really being fake if you're working intentionally on new habits. Fakeness to me, which of course is something that is the bane of this entire culture, right? If you're not being yourself and you're being fake, that's the worst thing possible. And ironically, that's what keeps most people in status quo is that fear of being fake. All that and lack of discipline, right? But as far as you being fake, look, if you're trying to be what you're not to fit in with a certain situation at a convenience, you're being fake. If you're going about intentionalizing new behavior all in the quest to be a better man, then you know what? Let people call you fake. Let people say, hey, you know what? It doesn't look like you're really uh, who you're supposed to be. It doesn't look like you're really acting all that quote-unquote naturally. Well, let me tell you something. You can forget everything you've heard about emulating someone who's a natural to get your game in order. You go back and get your natural self. You go back and reclaim your personhood. Reclaim your masculinity. Be the person you're not afraid to be. Be the person you don't feel like you're trapped in a box by being. And when you intentionalize those behaviors, first of all, I dare say a lot of them are like riding a bike. You knew how to do them when you were a kid, a little kid, maybe one year old. And you can go back and get them and they will come back to you because they're still second nature to you. They're first nature to you. What am I saying? So if you start saying to yourself, hey, you know what? I am not going to be this soft, timid voice when I'm around women. And you start intentionalizing it, saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to deepen my voice. I'm going to make stronger points. I'm going to speak with more conviction when I'm around women. All of a sudden, just by making sure your brain is in check and you're actively doing that, I bet you it won't take more than a couple weeks to get it right. Just my bet, just my hunch. And it's all about you going out and intentionalizing these habits. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I want to hook you up with Alan Roger Curry's book called Mode One. And you got a new book coming out too, don't you? Yeah, I got another one entitled uh, Upfront and Straightforward, just like my, my radio show. Yeah, and i tell you what, man, Alan, I am so glad to get to know you. You're a new friend of mine. We've been meaning to meet each other uh, for quite a while here, and it just seems like you're completely on point with so many great things. And, uh, guys, if you want to get a hold of Alan's Mode 1 book or the new one, Upfront and Straightforward, I would absolutely recommend you do that. I have actually set up a URL for it because that's what you guys are used to. And that is uh, thechickwhisperer.com front slash mode one, spelled out M-O-D-E-O-N-E. If you want to go to mode1.net, you can do that too. But I do have it set up for you at thechickwhisperer.com front slash mode one. And I also want to announce to you guys, I promised you on the last show, the next program you're going to get from XMY Communications is going to be called The Master Plan. And the reason why this show is relevant to the master plan is you guys have been really hammering me to get something focused done to talk about what I refer to as the big four. Being a masculine, confident man who can inspire confidence in women and give them the safety and security that they want from us and wrap that all around in a shroud of character. Being this man who does what he says he's going to do and being a man who has this cornerstone of belief that carries him through life, 
whatever that cornerstone is for you. That program is going to be called the Master Plan. But also in there, we're going to talk quite a bit about topics like authenticity, personal style, everything you need, a complete toolkit on how to be the highest quality man, as in male human being, you can possibly be so that you are equipped fully to attract the highest quality woman. Now, virtuosity, we kind of gave you an incredible potpourri of everything you could possibly want to know in terms of all the different basics for attracting women, igniting femininity, all those different concepts that you hear about from, well, literally four dozen teachers that I had on that program. Also, we talked a lot about online dating and virtuosity with online dating domination. And in The Leading Man, we talked about what to do after you've met a woman, how to handle relationships. Well, you guys have been coming to me saying, look, we need that focus on the big four. We need the baseline cornerstone on how to be this high quality man. That's what the master plan is going to deliver on. Guys, you'll be hearing more about that in future weeks. If you're not on the newsletter, absolutely do that. You can sign up for the newsletter by going to www.thechickwhisperer.com. If you haven't gotten the book on how to meet women on Twitter, you can actually go to twiduction.com and snag that if you prefer, T-W-I-D-U-C-T-I-O-N. And that's about all I have for today. Alan, it's been an incredible pleasure to have you on the show. What a great discussion. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Enjoyed it and uh, look forward to you know further conversations and collaborations. Yeah, man, that'll be great. Definitely up for that. So, guys, this has been episode number 29 of the world-famous Chick Whisperer Show. My name is Scott McKay from XMY Communications. Until I talk to you again soon, be good. The Chick Whisperer Podcast is copyright 2009 by XMY Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to sign up for the XMY Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Roy Oda speaking for the Chick Whisperer Podcast.